Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're talking about nutrition for half marathon plus distance. When you get into running longer distances, it's time to adapt the amount of food you eat, particularly on heavy training days, so that you're fueling your training and your racing. This episode's for you if you're stepping up your distances or if you're already an experienced distance runner looking to get the edge with your nutrition, join us to find out more about pre, during and post fueling. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here again with Aileen. It's Karen here this time in the hot seat. And uh, hi, Aileen. How are you? I'm very well, Karen. Looking forward to our chat today. Absolutely, as always. And um, we're, as always, we are going to share something personal with you about our nutrition or our running before we move on to discuss our topic for today, which is focusing on nutrition for half marathon plus. So Aileen, before we get going, today's question to you is, have you ever had to eat outside of your comfort zone when changing your food plan for your running? Uh, yeah, I have, Karen. That's a really great question because I, I often find that, you know, my clients resist making changes and, and I do too, uh, even when we know it's supportive. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's a challenge that many people have. So getting their head around what the, what the changes are going to be and why they're doing it. Uh, and mine has been learning to eat carbohydrates and not be fearful of them. And I'm as I'm sure I've spoken about many times before, I've, I've followed a, a very low carbohydrate food plan for years. Uh, and that worked really well from a body composition point of view. Um, but when I started running and started uh, running longer distances, it just didn't support me. And I've learned uh, by experience um, that eating the right amount of carbs really helps my energy um, during runs and also my recovery afterwards. Um, but it was um, a painful transition I say and I wasn't <laughs> I really wanted to do but I'm glad I did it because I've um, I've learned uh, to manage my portions and although I am carb sensitive it's no longer a big fear for me and I know I need carbohydrate and I know we, we'll talk about that today um, so yeah that's my my story about getting out of my comfort zone uh, <laughs> do you have a story or experience related to that Karen? Well, interestingly, Aileen, when I first started running long distances, I never used to really think about my fueling specifically for my training and my races. And I never used to eat during a long run or a race. I just used to eat my normal diet. And actually, when I look back, 
now. I've no idea how I managed to achieve the times and the distances and the amount of training that I was doing back then. But um, but I think probably over time it would have caught up with me and probably my, my performance would have suffered in the long term if I hadn't actually uh, changed my approach to eating, I have to say. But on saying that, um, and also in answer to your question, Aileen, I found that just eating to fuel my training took me out of my comfort zone. So just from the the studies that I'd done and everything, I realised that it was really important for me. But actually introducing food around my training was really hard. And I think that was all partly caught up in my approach to eating to maintain body composition and, and a fear of gaining weight as a runner. I didn't want to gain weight. And I, was, and, and I think there was some sort of thought process there that if I'm eating more, I'm going to gain the weight. But anyway, you know, I've got so much more knowledge now and, and I, I now understand the power of appropriate nutrition to fuel my running. So it's about being appropriate. It's about portion control, but taking on enough to fuel my running, to fuel my performance, and also to help prevent injury and illness. So um, so like you, it was a difficult transition. But now that I've made that transition, have so for some time now, I, I really feel the benefits of it. So um yeah, that would have been my experience. But anyway, let's move on to discuss today's topic, which, um, as we said, is all about nutrition for half marathon plus. And I think typically runners start considering nutrition when they get to the half marathon distances. And really, this is the time of year um, that's a good time to think about it because there are usually lots of races in the autumn calendar. So kind of practicing good nutrition now is really going to support people and support success as these races come come up. So today what we will talk about is how your nutrition needs um change as your running distances increases, looking at pre, during and post running and with that what and when to eat and then how much to eat to fuel your distance, whatever that distance may be, sort of thinking about it from a half a half marathon and beyond. And for the, this episode, we are assuming that you already have everyday healthy food plans in place consistently. And if you you would like to kind of recap on that and what that is, then you could go back and listen to episode 11, Nutrition Basics for All Runners, where we really look at that everyday optimal nutrition to support your your running um, fundamentally and then building on that. So this episode really is for you if you're planning your first half marathon or maybe if you're an experienced half marathon runner but looking to get the edge or maybe you're thinking about stepping up to that marathon distance or indeed beyond and want to fuel your ongoing marathon training with really good nutrition. So with that in mind, Aileen, could you maybe start by talking about how a runner's nutrition needs to change as their running distance increases? Yeah, sure, Karen. So um, when you get into running sort of half marathon and longer distances, it's really time to adapt the amount of food you eat, particularly on heavy training days. And that's going to ensure that you're fueling and uh you know, for your training runs and also for your races. And the main changes are how much you eat. So focusing really on eating enough on those heavy training days, um, looking at your macronutrient proportions and, and they will change, um, particularly learning how to use slow and quick release carbohydrates strategically. And um, it's important that you understand what they are and how to use them and, and practice and fine-tune using them because that's really going to help uh, your performance. Um, and also just being more conscious of what you're doing uh, with regards to eating pre, during and post training. So those are the, the big areas that I, I think change as you start running longer, longer distances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as I was saying earlier, you know, we are assuming that everyone is already following an everyday healthy nutrition plan and the plate balance of, of macronutrients that we suggest on our easy training athlete plate concept is for training roughly up to about nine miles. That might vary slightly for individuals, but, but as a, as a, 
a, a rough guide, sort of up to nine miles, or runs that are lasting less than 90 minutes. And then thinking about beyond that, so the key reasons for adapting nutrition as distances increases are really to preserve the stored glucose, which is known as glycogen, as we've spoken, as we speak about a lot, and sort of preserving that glycogen in the liver and muscles. And this really is to prevent um, using protein for energy. We want to retain the protein for building the muscle. We don't want to have to be using it to to um, to fuel us using it for energy, but also sort of adapting our nutrition as our, our, our distances increase. It's also for being able to sustain performance and also to provide enough energy. So thinking about it in a calorie um, sort of way um, for our training. So like I was saying earlier about, about fueling appropriately, taking on a sufficient energy and also to support that recovery and repair following following training. Yeah, great, Karen. That's really helpful just to give us a bit of context as to why we're doing this. Mm. One of the things that I think many runners find difficult is like working out what to eat on different days. And um, so we've we've developed a, a concept um, that we teach our clients, which is switching between what we call different athletes' plates, so depending on the level of training you're doing. And, and that really helps uh, runners focus on macronutrient requirements and um, as your training changes on different days, because we don't always do the same thing every day. Um, and as the distance increases, the distribution of macronutrients on the plates needs to change. So we're talking about macronutrients, we're talking about protein, carbohydrates and fats, and predominantly it's protein and carbohydrates that we look at. Um, and I think to begin with, like Karen, let's just think about half marathon requirements first, and then we'll talk later about how the food requirements change for marathon distances so as you said the everyday healthy food plan or the easy training play as we call it is is adequate for that sort of nine mile run or a run lasting up to 90 minutes but as soon as you start to increase your training runs beyond that you'll need to change your food plan on the long run training days and the main changes um, on, on those days is to adjust your carbohydrate content up. And that's going to reflect the energy expenditure of the run. So the easy training plate, we we talk about a quarter of a plate of carbohydrates. So in this instance, we suggest that you would increase your carbohydrates to about a third of a plate. And this would be appropriate for distances up to around about 15 or 16 miles. And then beyond that, for longer distances, we suggest a higher carbohydrate intake. Um, and that will vary between individuals, but that sort of gives you a rough guide. And, um, you know, we, we'd suggest going to half a plate of carbohydrate on the days that you're doing the um, the the mile of uh, sort of that 16 mile plus. Um, one thing that is really important to remember is that it's important to maintain um, your portion of protein and fat as because both of those are required for fuel as well as muscle strength recovery and repair following a run and also make sure you, your vegetable intake is varied and you eat vegetables and salads at every meal um, and the reason for that is that the micronutrients um, that you'll get in all those different um, vegetables are really key for energy production and recovery so they work you know in tandem with micronutrients to make sure that you've got everything you need um, to to be a healthy runner really mm. so, so Karen is there anything you would add to that yeah, the only thing I would add there, Aileen, is um, about hydration. You know, you're speaking about increasing the carb intake. And I think in increasing hydration is important at this point as well over these distances. Now, clearly, that will depend on the temperatures and the individual's sweat rate. Um, but at those distances, you would need to consider that. And it could be that electrolyte drops may be needed. Um, and so they can be easily added to, to your water. I think it's really good practice to carry water and hydrate for long distances, um, uh, sort of, yeah, from half marathon onwards. And I think that 
we speak about this a lot in different episodes as well, Aileen. So if people would like more insights into um, hydration and the importance of that, it might be worth listening to episodes Five, where we speak about hydration and running. And then again, in episode 46, where we ask the question, does dehydration impair exercise performance? But really, that's the only thing I would add to what you've already said. Yeah, that's a really great point, Karen, because I think um, when you're running short distances, you, you often don't carry water. But once you get doing those longer distances, it's something you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So um, so now let's have a look at food intake. So how food intake will change when you're moving into the marathon training distances. So when, when we said earlier, when you're moving beyond that 15, 16 mile distance, uh, the macronutrient intake needs to change yet again. And as I said earlier, uh, the protein uh, intake remains constant, but the carbohydrate intake will increase um, alongside a, a decrease in vegetable intake just because of the amount of food you're eating. You're probably not going to be able to eat it all if you kept the same amount of vegetables. Uh, and as I said earlier, the carbohydrate intake would increase to half a plate portion size. Um, in our um, Easy Nutrition um, program, we would call that the hard training plate. So that's half a plate of carbohydrate, a quarter of a plate of protein, and a quarter of a plate of vegetables. Um, and as you, you know, mentioned earlier, hydration again needs to be monitored and adjusted accordingly, really with a big focus on electrolyte balance um, to help prevent muscle cramps and, and aches, which could limit performance. So that's really when you move into those longer distances, the kind of things that you need to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Aileen. And just to recap on what you've said there. So um, what we're saying is if you're training for a half marathon um, for your long training runs, you'd be using the moderate athlete's plate um, on your training days. But on race day, you would want to use the hard training plate. And that's really just to super compensate that carbohydrate intake for the race. Um, if you're training for a marathon or more, you'd be using the hard training plate on the days you do the long training run. So for example, that's 16 miles and beyond, but clearly that would need to be personalized to your individual requirements. And then on light training days or rest days, um, following that everyday healthy eating principles that we talked you through many times is where you would you would want to move back to. So that would then be looking at that easy training athlete's plate. Oh, thanks, Karen. So what would be the potential performance issues if a runner didn't follow the adjustments to carbohydrate that, that we've suggested there? Yeah, well, as you know, and most people will know now through following us, is that it's widely recognised that carbohydrate is one of the limiting factors in endurance running. Um, so in other words, if you don't have enough, your performance will be compromised. And this is principally due to carbohydrate being the principal energy source but we have limited storage capacity. So that glycogen that we're speaking about earlier, we can only store so much. And it's as little as 100 grams, which is the equivalent of 400 um, calories worth of glycogen in the liver, and 400 grams, which is um, 1,600 calories that are able to be stored in the muscle. So, you know, when you think about training and endurance training, that's quite a small amount. Um, um, that that we can store at one time. And again, you know, carbohydrate is really important because it's digested and absorbed quickly. Therefore, it's more quickly and um, efficiently utilized than, say, protein or fat. And, um, and like I say, we have the limited storage for car- carbohydrate. And that's why we need to manage the top ups of carbohydrates during that longer endurance runs and looking at doing that pre, during and post. And 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 again, thinking about the post run, it's because carbohydrate is really key for optimal recovery. Um, and it's it's important as well if you're completing, say, two or more exercise sessions per day, which a lot of people do. They might do um, uh, like a, a recovery run in the morning, but then have a 
have a skill-based training in the evening or they might be doing a mixture of resistance strength training in the morning, a run in the evening. There's lots of different scenarios. Or um, it could be that it's the long endurance runs and doing those on a, on a, on a daily basis for some people. And also poor recovery could have a spiralling effect if not addressed. So, for example, poor training quality, that increased risk of injury and illness. And clearly there's going to be that um, reduced performance. So it's really, really important. So the key message is that when you are running longer distances, it's important on training days to increase your carbohydrate intake and remember to maintain your protein intake and adjust hydration requirements, um, but also to follow a healthy eating plan every day um, Mm. so that you've got those foundations in place. Yeah, absolutely. And at the start of the episode, um, we mentioned about learning how to strategically use slow and quick release carbohydrates. You know, they both have a place um, for an endurance runner. Now, this is a really important strategy to understand, but also to practice and to fine tune. So Aileen, will you maybe explain the difference between slow and quick release carbohydrates and why this is important? And multiple questions here Aileen and then um, maybe we can also chat about the importance of that pre during and post fueling. Yeah sure Karen I mean as we we said earlier both types of carbohydrates have got a place in the diet of a distance runner and it's about learning how to use them strategically to get the best best results really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll start with the quick release carbohydrates um, which are simple sugars and as their name would suggest they're digested quickly um, so they're readily available for energy. Um, So some examples of quick release carbohydrates are fruits, um, all kinds of fruits really. Um, So fruits in their fresh form dried form and even fruit purees. Um, So the the fruits that have the highest amount of um, carbohydrate particularly the tropical fruits so um, things like bananas mangoes pineapple papaya and other tropical fruits Uh, dried fruits tend to have a high concentration of carbohydrate Um, we particularly like using medjool dates and and mango medjool dates are great because they're very soft and cheap you know they they just almost melt in your mouth so you, you get that carbohydrate um, hit quite quickly mm-hmm. um, and then there's fruit purees uh, we talk about the Ella's um, kitchen fruit um, sachets mango and banana are favorites of mine um, they're easy to take on board and easy to digest um, and then there's also the syrupy types of quick release carbohydrates like honey maple molasses uh, jams as well and then also, if you think about the refined um, grains, so um, the white white things like white rice, white pasta, couscous, spelt, wheat, bread, cereals, but the not the whole ones, the white ones. Um, so they're all examples of quick-release carbohydrates. And, and you could use those as a snack pre-run if you've got an hour or less before you set out, um, we always like to choose as natural as possible um, so that you're just getting all the nutrients possible, not just the carbohydrates. Um, and you could use these as ingredients if you're making your own running snacks. That would be a great idea. Um, during training, you'd always choose the quick-release carbohydrate um, because of that, being able to digest them quickly and get into the bloodstream quickly. Um, but they do have a place, as we said, pre and post Um, So having a quick release carbohydrate snack post run within 30 minutes, that's a crucial window of time of completing your run is recommended for that efficient glycogen repletion. So when you were talking earlier, Karen, about, you know, we're using up a lot of glycogen, we want to replenish it so that we can recover quickly. Yeah, exactly, Aileen. And then sort of thinking about the the slow release carbohydrates. So that's quite often um, described as the complex carbohydrates. So they're usually unrefined, um, generally include some fibre, the digestive process is longer with these and um, and really we would usually recommend eating them as part of your everyday 
easy training plate. And um, but you could sort of introduce them and use them Um if you're run, if say you've got one to two hours before a long run, you could use them at that point in time along some protein, alongside some protein as well. And this will really help keep you fueled throughout a longer run. You would still want to be introducing the quick release carbohydrates during the run, but this is going to um, help sort of maintain your, your energy flow during your long run. And just to give everybody some examples, of slow release carbohydrates they do tend to fall into um, groups of foods for example there's the whole grain so the opposite of what you were saying Aileen they would be the brown rice the brown pasta and things brown grains also oats and then the second category are legumes so it's the beans pulses lentils things like that and then the root vegetables so um, I'm thinking here of white potato sweet potato pumpkin squash beetroot carrots parsnips you know all these root vegetables are good sources of um, carbohydrates as well Brilliant. So that's that's um, hopefully everybody's got a handle now on the difference between quick and slow release carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Karen, I wondered if you would talk a bit about when to eat, because, again, this is always a question for runners. What when should I eat? How you know what the time intervals, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, like we've been saying, Aileen, sort of for the the endurance runs, it you do want to be looking at eating pre, during, and post the run. So let's have a look at that pre-run first. So, as we were saying earlier, if you if you are running for no longer than ninety minutes, then. Um, you don't need to eat pre-run, but if your run is going to be more than 90 minutes, then it's really important to be introducing some food pre and during the run. And um, if you have over two hours before you run, for example, then as I was just saying, choosing a, a combination of high protein and a complex carbohydrate um, breakfast or meal. So for example, if you're running in the morning, it might be overnight oats or porridge with some nut butter, maybe some chopped nuts, something like that, that you add in the morning. Or it could be something like eggs on um, whole grain toast. So it's just an idea of, of suggestions if you've got more than two hours before you run. But if, say, you've only got about an hour available, then something lighter, which is going to be easier to digest, might be more appropriate for most people. So I'm thinking here of something like a nutrient-dense smoothie um, because it's in liquid form. Therefore, it's not such a, a strain on the digestive system, but it is really important to make sure that it contains a good combination of of nutrients. You do want it, like I say, to still be nutrient dense and containing the carbohydrates and the protein at this point in time. So maybe having something like berries, flaxseed, yogurt or maybe kefir if you prefer that and adding some oats into that so you're getting that combination but if you've only got say 45 minutes available it's more about choosing a quick release carbohydrate food for example like the ones you were speaking about alien maybe a banana or some dried fruit maybe a medjool date or a couple of medjool dates. Um, Or maybe you could make your own energy bars using some of the ingredients that that you mentioned, Aileen. So so those would be the suggestions for the different times pre-run. Right, that's fantastic, Karen. So can we now think about what to do during a run? Um, What would you say the key piece of advice uh, for everybody? Yeah, so during the run, again, it's really, really important to make sure that you introduce this um, and introduce it early into the run. We recommend sort of within sort of 45 minutes to an hour into your run that you start to um, introduce some food. And I think it's um, and it's important to keep that going so to fuel regularly and really to practice until you find what 
works best for you. And it might be trial and error for a, a, a bit of time, uh, a period of time until you find what does suit you. Um, and again, this is really to keep the glycogen stores, so that stored energy from the carbohydrates. And, and it's, it's about keeping that topped up because it's really important um, to, to, to fuel you throughout the run. Therefore, important to introduce the quick release carbohydrate foods at this time and like I say early in the run as well and um and, and as I was saying, so the general advice it would be to have a quick release carbohydrate food starting at about 45 minutes to an hour into the run and, and continuing with that. So every 45 minutes to an hour having something to eat. But for some runners, um, it might be that they find eating something smaller amounts, but every 20 minutes is more manageable than eating a larger amount every Every sort of um, hour. So I'm thinking here, maybe we're speaking about the medial dates and it'd be very easy to sort of pop a medial date in your mouth every 20 minutes rather than having three or, or, or whatever um, every hour. And I think if speed is key for an individual, then it could be that maybe a fruit puree pouch like the Ellis Kitchen that you were speaking about, Aileen, or a honey pouch. There's a company called Honey Stinger that does a really good product. And having that every hour may be more preferable. And these these products are good because they're screw caps, so they're easy to undo, redo and store, whereas a lot of these gels tend to, once you've opened them, if you don't want to eat them all, they're really sticky and just a nuisance. Um, but, but really, depending on your individual situation, uh, it, it's going to vary how much you need to eat. But roughly, again, rough guidelines are between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates, quick release carbohydrates per hour is, is recommended. Now, an, an elite athlete uh, could be consuming up to 90 grams of carbohydrates uh, per hour, but that is really rare. And that is people who are at the top of the game and they're they're doing so much training and they're they're running at, at at excessive speeds so not generally for um sort of the the amateur runner or the club club runner and like i say continuing to eat um regularly um, throughout your run and that's really going to help maintain your performance and also helps prevent that muscle breakdown because if you haven't got enough carbohydrates and glycogen stores then you're going to eat into your muscle because it'll use the protein to produce energy so um so those are the, the the key reasons why it's so so important to eat during a long running run so, Aileen, what would you advise about post-run fueling? Um, well, just before I go on to that, Karen, I, yeah. I, I just think that's such really great information for everybody. And, and I think it's probably the most difficult part of fueling that people find. And it's probably the one that they all ignore. Um, and I know it's one that, you know, we talked about comfort zones earlier. It's, it's something that I didn't like and um, mm. we still don't like but I do do it so, so I think it's good to, good to try things out as you say start it to try it and, um, trial and error until you get it right absolutely and it's about starting with small amounts you don't have to go out and eat sort of three three dates in, a, in 45 minutes or whatever so to start with small amounts and build up yeah um, to to what's appropriate yeah Okay, so you, you were asking me about what I thought um, would be good yeah. for post-run fueling. Mm. Um, so I, th I think the big message here is don't neglect the post-run fueling because this is the thing that's really going to support with recovery and get you ready for that next training session. Uh, and I always think of it in, in two parts. So I think about what do I eat when I come through the door within 30 minutes of completing my run and then what do I do one to two hours afterwards um so it's it's about forming a habit I think uh to do this um so immediately post run uh, you need to be thinking about that quick release carbohydrate within 30 minutes um so examples might be um a honey sandwich dried mango or, or indeed fresh mango banana maybe a fruit bar uh, naked is a is a good brand it's quite um, high in carbohydrates um, but if I, if I know that I've got a meal plan soon after, 
um, I might just have a teaspoon of honey and that's like a really simple, easy thing to do. I'll put the jar of honey out on the kitchen worktop and, and then I don't forget to do it. Um, so that that's an easy thing. And then then you've got to think about after that 30 minutes, so the one to two hours afterwards, it's important that you start to introduce some protein uh, to help muscle recovery and repair. Uh, and we suggest that you do that in um a ratio of um, carbohydrate to protein of four to one. So you're still getting uh, the carbohydrate in, but you're adding in some protein um, to help. And the carbohydrate is still high because you're aiming to replace that uh, lost glycogen um, stores that we talked about earlier. And and it's important to keep this up, um, you know, up to about six hours after um, your uh, run, depending on you know what time of day you're doing it, so the meals and snacks that you're having um, after your run should be in that sort of carbohydrate protein ratio, and then you can return back to your normal healthy eating, your easy training plate. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thanks for that, Aileen. Really good information there, and I think this thirty minutes. Uh, eating within 30 minutes um, after a run is something to sort of drive home as well, because I think quite a lot of people find that they don't feel like eating immediately when they get back. So they delay it and then it's more difficult to sort of replenish the glycogen stores efficiently because they just go back to that normal eating and, and the body is so receptive to um, taking up the glucose and storing it within that that first 30 minutes. And I think partly it'll be interesting to know what people think, but certainly with clients, I find that the clients who don't eat during a run are the ones that have difficulty eating at the end of a run. So if you start to practice eating during, you might find that you naturally find it easier to eat immediately after a run. So just something for everybody to to think about. So so we've talked about the differences between slow and quick release carbohydrates and how to use them strategically, really, um, pre, during and post running. So next, we're going to talk about how much to eat and some tips on putting all of this into action. But before we do that, Aileen, shall we just take a quick advert break? Yeah, sure, Karen. Um, so this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a, a minute just to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. Um, so as you know, Karen and I are just like you, we're busy working women, and we work for health, fitness, achievement and some fun. Uh, and even as nutritional therapists, we've had our own personal running performance struggles and, and they continue, you know, life gets in the way and uh, it, it sometimes uh, gives us some struggles to resolve. Um, what we found that we we created um, a situation where we could resolve those struggles with using foundational everyday healthy eating plans and we fine-tuned them with sports nutritional principles and that's helped maximize our running performance and importantly minimize injury. Um, and what we've done is we've turned our food plans into an online program called Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners. So it's a, a short and sweet video program. Uh, you can complete it in 30 minutes a day over two weeks or indeed you can take as long as you need to. Some of our clients like to uh, spread the the action points over a longer period. So if you've been listening today and you think you'd like to know more about how to apply both everyday nutrition alongside sports-specific nutrition, uh, we think this program's a great place to give you the information you need alongside some easy action steps too. So if you're interested in finding out more, uh, check out all the details at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. If you look at the top menu bar at online programs, and you'll you'll find all the information there. And if you've got any questions, feel free to email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And as a thank you to you as one of our valued listeners, we do have a special offer for you. Um, and if you'd like to purchase the program, please use our coupon code, which is POD, P-O-D, and that will give you a 33% discount off the full price, which brings the price down to £199. And you'll also find details of that coupon code in our show notes too. 
Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So now let's move on and look at how much to eat to fuel um, your distances. So we tend to focus on using the athlete's plates, which we've spoken about already. And we use these to explain how much of each macronutrient to eat at each meal. So like we've said, we've got the easy training, the moderate training and the hard training plate. But really, sometimes it's useful for some people to have insights into detail, more detail around how much specifically of each macronutrient to consume, really in relation to to body composition. And guidance is um, given based on grams per kilogram of body weight per day. So I thought maybe we could have a look at how much to eat for each macronutrient looking at that guidance. So if we look at the carbohydrate, like you were saying, Aileen, that this is the one that really fluctuates um, quite a lot. Um, You know, and there is a wide range. It can range from anything um, from roughly five grams per kilogram of body weight per day, right up to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. But this will this will depend on your running time, your distance and your personal goals. And in fact, I say five grams to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. But at some Sometimes it could be as low as three grams per kilogram of body weight per day. And it sounds as though when you were on your very low carbohydrate diet, Aileen, you may have been as low as that, if maybe not lower, which is is a, a very small amount of, of carbs per day. But generally, as a runner, you'd be using this during your rest, during time away from training, be it that it's due to injury or just um, it's it's not the, the running season. Or it could be that it's weight or fat loss that you're looking for, that, that sort of body compass, com, um, compensation. Oh, composition. Sorry, I'm losing my words here. But for long endurance runs, the average people would be looking at is around six to seven grams per kilogram of body weight per day of um, of carbohydrates. Unless body composition is the focus, then it would maybe be about five grams per kilogram of body weight per day. That might be more suitable for some people. Now, this clearly would really need to be adapted to the individual. And that's why sort of personalised nutrition working with a professional can be really helpful so that you and you know that you're getting what your body needs. Now, I said about 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Now, this generally is reserved for the highly trained professional and elite runners. Like I'm saying earlier, they'll they'll have up to 90 grams per hour of carbs during a run and their overall intake is going to be potentially significantly higher. It's not for the the more amateur or or club runner. Then thinking about protein needs, um, as we said before, this tends to remain constant. It really needs to remain constant. You don't want to be reducing your protein intake um, at all because that could affect recovery, could affect um, muscle development etc. Now, for runners, we'd be looking at at, at least 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Again, will depend on the individual um, goals. For example, is it body composition you're looking at? Is it muscle building? Or is it muscle repair? Have you been through an injury and you're trying to build up muscle again? And it is actually thought that novice runners, uh, so beginner runners, may require higher amounts, for example, um, up to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. And potentially older runners as well might need up to 1.6 grams um, because they naturally lose muscle ma- mass as they age. So something else to, to bear in, in mind. Now, sometimes you do hear and probably lots of people have heard of individuals going as high as two grams per kilogram of body weight per day of protein however that does tend to be more for the strength and resistance athletes who are really trying to sort of bulk up but for us as runners we really want to be looking at being lean not being bulky and then finally alien just quickly thinking about fat 
Now, the average is one gram per kilogram of body weight per day. And that's really as a maintenance intake, uh, looking at body composition. But again, if weight or fat loss was an issue, then going down to about 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight per day um, for fat um, would be more appropriate. So those would be the more specifics around macronutrient intake. Yeah, well, it's, uh, again, it's, it's a really interesting information. And, um, you know, for some, some people, it's really important to know these things. And for mm-hmm. others, it's uh, having a, a more um, general approach using plate balance is, is what they need. Um, so um, I just wanted to underline here, Karen, that uh, the food choices don't tend to change um, when we're um, – either doing the light training or the heavy endurance running. Um, and really, we, we need to focus on healthy, unprocessed whole foods, whatever distance we're running. Um, and the main difference is that portion sizes will be bigger and our overall intake of food will increase due to um, the amount of exercise that we're taking. Um, and, and that overall intake will, will increase due to um, our plate balance, but also to the pre, during, and post snacks that we have. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily change what food choices you make. It's all about how much you have and in what proportions you have. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, Aileen. And it's it's not about it's about maintaining those healthy foods. If you've got that sort of underlying um, fundamental everyday optimal nutrition, then it's just sort of building on that, like you say, sort of increasing the amounts and then the proportions of each on the plate. And and like we're saying, eating enough to fuel your training is absolutely vital to prevent the injury, the poor performance, low energy, all these things side effects of not not taking on um, enough. Um, Aileen, I was just wondering, could we maybe chat a bit about how to put all of this advice that we've been giving into practice? Because I think often runners understand the theory, but kind of fail to take action because it just seems too difficult. Yeah, I think sometimes feel, things do feel too difficult, don't they? So we mm-hmm. don't do them. Um, well, I, I think the first step is get organised, um, particularly if you've never thought much about pre during and post fueling. Um, so get the foods and the snacks you'd like to try, um, buy them, make sure you've got them ready to use, and then plan out the days that you're going to be doing your long training run. So I usually start by just getting out a piece of paper or a notebook and I'll work out, um, you know, usually it's across the week, but, you know, if I know what time, what day I'm going to do the long run, I'll start planning um, almost like backwards. So I'll I'll think, what time am I going to start? And then I'll think about, well, what do I need to do before, during and after? And that helps me plan out what I need to eat and how that fits in with the rest of my day. Um, so I'll, I'll note down things like when would be my usual meal times and how does that fit into when I'm doing my runs. And, and then then I can decide, um, you know, whether it's meals or snacks and what I need to do, as I say, pre, during and, and post. And, and I think it does take a bit of thought to begin with. Uh, but I think when you've done it a few times, you find that you make the right choices naturally. And I always think that a lot of runners are quite, uh, once we get into a habit, we do form a routine. And so we get into the routine of knowing, well, if I'm going to run at seven o'clock in the morning, this is what I've got to do. And if I'm going to run after work, this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to run on my lunch break, this is what I'm going to need to do. And so it's just like finding all those different scenarios. Um, my other bit of advice is, is keep it really simple to begin with and start with foods that you like and that your de- digestion likes too. So if it's something that you think, oh, I can never eat that, um, don't start with it because it's going to naturally just put you off doing it. Um, and you don't want to have any digestive effects. So try to go with things that you know will will be good for you. And then, as you were saying earlier, Karen, it's a really good idea just to build things up week by week. Um, so, you know, start with one aspect and 
get that right and then add in another aspect. So you might want to start with pre-fueling uh, one week and or maybe over two or three weeks and just get into the habit of what you're going to do to pre-fuel. And then you might want to think about post-fueling. I think that the pre and the post are the two easiest ones to do. Um, the, the eating during training takes a bit more practice. But I think you, you, you said earlier, you know, it's a good idea to to try with small amounts of food and get used to having them. So I think that would be good advice. And, and gradually your body does adapt and you'll start to notice some improvements um, in how your energy levels are during and after training sessions and that, that your recovery is improved. And I, I, you know, sort of flashing back to my days where I didn't like to have carbohydrates and, but I had to admit to myself that actually it made a difference. And then once I sort of got over that and realized it was okay, I sort of started to embrace eating carbohydrates because it made my runs much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, those are my tips, Karen. Do you have any others? Yeah, well, really just building on what you were saying, Aileen, you were saying about keep it simple, start with foods that you know you like and that your digestive system likes as well. And the other thing I'm thinking about here is that it might be quite good to start introducing these foods on shorter runs first, um, just to give your your body that time to adjust to eating it. So if you're doing it on the shorter runs, then you know you haven't got to go too much longer before you're stopping running so just small amounts short runs and then build up from there um and what i find sort of looking at it personally i tend to run fairly early in the morning and um I'll always make my breakfast the night before. So just keeping it practical, keeping it simple again, try and produce, uh, get it ready the night before. And then what I do is I eat it as soon as I get up. Then I'll go and get ready just so that it gives it, uh, it gives the food a bit of time to start to be digested rather than going out feeling really heavy. And then and then I'll head out the door. And I find that that really works for me. And um and also my other piece of advice really is about hydration, about planning your hydration in the same way that you would plan your nutrition for your long runs. Sort of think about where you will be running. You know, will there be a water fountain on route? Certainly if you if you run around parks, you might find that there are two or three uh, water fountains on your route. If not, how much do you need to carry with you? Um, does this mean that you need to invest in a camelback or maybe it's just a, a belt with a, a water pouch in it? So just thinking about these practical things just to try and keep it as, um, as simple and doable as possible. And I think also something else to note is that, you know, the digestive, you, you sort of alluded to it, Aileen, the digestive system um does change and um, it would change over the the longer you run so um so for example what it can tolerate and what it is willing to receive changes so you might go out with the foods that you enjoy on a longer run because it's going to be easy it's going to be simple but just remember that the longer distances that you run there is a change to the the digestive system it does um adapt there's a reduced blood supply to the to the digestive system so it might be that it doesn't want those foods anymore so it is about that um that trial and error so um it really is about um being flexible and just just sort of adapting to the body or continuing with what you're doing but um giving the body time to adapt you might want to continue having the um this the sweeter foods but just be mindful that the body might not want to receive it for a period of time but if you just sort of keep going build up slowly then over time the body will adapt to it but what i find i've got um several clients who tend to be okay with sweet foods early on in a run but by the time they get towards the end of a run they just can't bear the thought of anything sweet and they prefer something more savory or maybe more liquid later in the run so bear that in mind as well and take different options out with you um so um 
yeah, just sort of really think about how you feel and how you're reacting to foods as your run progresses. Oh, that's really great advice, Karen. And I, I think as well, you know, we always focus on carbohydrates as being sweet foods, but actually there's lots of savoury carbohydrates that mm-hmm. we can use. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, I, I can't really tolerate the sweet, you know, lots and lots of sweet foods. So having something savoury is really a great um a great option I think for people to think about yeah. so so yeah thanks for that I'm sure people have found that really helpful um so Karen I know you're in the keep it simple camp with me um and I thought it would be really lovely if you could share um an example of how you fuel for a long training run say at the weekend um and tell us what you do yeah, absolutely. So if I think of the the last long distance run I did, it was probably about 18, mi- 18 miles, I think. And I tend to set off at around 6.30 in the morning. I like to get up. I like to get out and um, and get the run done. And then I can carry on with the day. So what I, I do, um, and I said before, is the night before I'll prepare my overnight oats. Now, overnight oats is just something that works for me really well and I tend to use um, yogurt or kefir depends what I've got in the house rather than milk so I'll just soak the oats in the kefir or yogurt overnight and then in the morning I'll add a little bit of peanut butter and some berries as well and what I find is that sometimes I just can't eat all of it or I've made a really big batch so what I'll do is I'll have some of it before and then keep the rest and have it afterwards so um so what I do is I um I eat it straight away with some water on the side and then I go and I get myself re- ready so I'll I'll wrap my medjool dates because I tend to take medjool dates with me on my long run. So I'll wrap those up separately in a little bit of each and a little bit of parchment paper and pop it in in my belt pouch. And also I'll put a flapjack in as well. And I might put, depending on distances, so for 18, 18 miles, I, I do put in an extra bar as well, just in case I need it. Um and I like to have a, a bite to eat approximately every 30 minutes. So I don't like to wait the hour. I like to sort of have everything th- every 30 minutes. And I think it's because it it gives me a focus. So I know I'm going to be doing something every 30 minutes and that helps the time pass quicker somehow. I don't know. I don't understand it, but it works for me. And then um, I'll have water and electrolyte drops either in um, in a bottle or, or on my belt or um, for 18, just 18 miles, I probably would take a camel back with me. And I'll also go off with my, my phone so that I can listen to um, podcasts en route. And so off I go. And then when I come back, I tend to immediately have a spoonful of honey. And you were saying about a teaspoon, Aileen, I think I probably have about a tablespoon when I get back. And and also maybe um, two or three unsulfured dried apricots. Now, that's just I love the chewiness and the flavour of the dried apricots. And that really works for me. And then. I'll have a long soak in a magnesium bath, which is my highlight. Um, and then once I'm, I'm dressed, I'll finish the overnight oats or maybe I'll have another flat jacket. Just depends what, what is around and available. And then sort of start introducing more of a protein, a har- carbohydrate um, snack or, or meal as the day goes on. So that's what works for me, Aileen. That sounds um, great. I mean, that's just such a fantastic example. Karen I think we're all we were all there with you every step of the way there um I love the the tip of making your breakfast the night before mm-hmm. I like the also like the idea of um splitting your meal we talk about that with people don't we about you know you, you might want to make something it might be a smoothie that you you have some as a pre snack and some as a post snack um and then you know again uh, the thing I liked about your um taking your food with you is like the, the just in case you know you're listening to your body and you you're taking on extra fuel if you need it mm. um, and uh and then yeah that long circle of magnesium bath at the end i mean it's uh you just the only thing you didn't add in there was some stretching somewhere along the line or something oh, oh that's my 
Yes, yes, actually, Aileen, that is a really good point because it is something that I neglect and I know that I shouldn't. And I'm all, you know, I've got a, a running coach, online running coach, and she's always giving me a hard time because I just don't stretch enough. So, yeah, absolutely good point, everybody. Before you <laughs> have your snack uh, within 30 minutes and then do your stretching or do your stretching and eat at the same time, whatever works. But, but yeah, stretching is really, really important. So don't follow my lead. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's really <laughs> helpful, I'm sure, for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I think it's always great to have examples. And uh, if anybody would like more ideas, uh, do remember that we've got a free nutrition guide uh, for um, running snacks and nutrient timing. And you'll, again, find that on our website, runnershealthclub.com. If you look at the top menu bar, you'll see free nutrition guide. Just pop in your email address and we'll send it over to you. And uh, if you've already got it and you can't find it, please ask for it again, uh, because it's a good, um, very short reference document, which will back up a lot of the information that we've been giving today. Um, so, uh, Karen, I'm just, I know you, you tend to run, you're an early morning runner, but I wondered if you've got any tips for people that are doing their long runs later in the day. Actually, Aileen, that's a good question because we do tend to speak a lot about early morning running, don't we? And um, and it would be an interesting survey to do uh, on how many people run first thing in the morning and then how many people do do the long run later in the day. I'd be really interested to, to find that out. But for those of you who do sort of run um, later in the day, maybe after work, early in the evening, what I would say is to really make sure that you have a satisfying lunch. So maybe having um, your main meal at lunchtime might be be um, good here. But if you if you like to have your evening meal once you get home, then making sure that your lunch is still substantial and then having a a carb protein snack roughly about two hours, one to two hours before you um before you go out for your run or maybe having that quick release snack if you've got an hour only before you then head out to to do your run and just remember to to take your during run snacks with you so it might mean that you've got to take those to work with you keep them at work um and then so that you've got them handy because it's still really important not not to miss out on that um during run during training snacks so so still really key um what I would really say is remember not to not to run on empty um because if you run on empty you'll be underfueled and your performance will suffer and your recovery will suffer and and then it perpetuates onwards it's a downward spiral because you can never catch up with the um the recovery and the refueling afterwards so really really important so that would be my little tip for those of you who run afterwards um, or later in the day. So, Aileen, we're coming to an end uh, now. So I just wondered if you could maybe give us your key takeaways from today's conversation. Yeah, sure. So um, we've got a few um, just to highlight. So the main thing is as your running distance increases, your macronutrient intake must are too, especially the carbohydrates. Um, remember that there are slow release and quick release carbohydrates and they're both of a place in an endurance runner's diet. However, they need to be used strategically pre, during and post training. Um, a distance runner must remember to eat before, during and after an endurance run for all the good reasons that um, Karen's been sharing with you. Um, how much to eat will depend on your specific uh, running goals. Um, and you can work out your macronutrient needs related to your goals, your body composition and life stage. And usually they're worked out on grams per kilogram of body weight. And there is a range um, that you can um used to uh, decide what is right for you and you might need some personalized input to make the right choices but uh, the guide is for carbohydrates it's between 5 and 12 kilogram uh, grams per kilogram of body weight uh, for protein it's between 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day and for fat it's between 0.5 to 1 grams 
per kilogram of body weight per day. So that gives you some guidance on how to work out your macronutrient requirements. Uh, remember to use the moderate or hard training athlete plate guidance for days when you're scheduling longer distance runs and switch back to use easy training and everyday healthy eating plates for rest days or easy training days. And finally, our message is practice, practice, practice and uh, fine tune it and you'll get it right and you'll start getting better results. Yeah, absolutely, Alina. I think the practice, practice, practice is a, is a great note to end on. Um, and I just wanted to say thanks again for a, a really interesting conversation. All our conversations I find really interesting and they, they bring up lots of questions that still need to be answered in many ways. Um, and remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.